Welcome to the show. <clears throat> Happy almost Halloween. Uh, it's uh, October 21st, 10 days away, uh, 2022. I'm Kenny Pick, and of course, joining me on the show, uh, we got Joe. Joe, welcome. I am here. All right, and of course, Michelle uh, taking us on another haunted trip tonight. Yeah, we're going to New Orleans, um, and it's a beautiful 72 degrees here in Florida. Nice. It's uh, it's in about sixty five here today. Uh, I think you know the sun's gone down, so it's cooled down a little bit. But it was about seventy. And of course, uh, Miles, uh, did you break out the sweaters? Um, no, no, okay. it wasn't that bad. But I did wear a t shirt in addition to my regular shirt, so okay, uh, that helped. <clears throat> there you go. Layering, layering is essential. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, welcome to the show, um, and uh, tonight I'm going to be talking about some of my personal favorite horror comedies uh, from the uh, last several decades. Got a lot of good ones, a lot of really good stuff, Michelle. It was really hard to kind of narrow it down, but I got it down to 12. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot, and it's it's not just a recent thing either. We've been doing horror comedies since, you know, Vincent Price and, uh, you know, Lon Chaney's days. So, oh, well, go. you know, Boris Karloff and James Whale did uh, The Old Dark House, which was a comedy horror uh, back in uh, the 30s. So, you know, there's a, unfortunately, a lot of the really old stuff doesn't have uh, very good trailers. Um, and then, of course, there was The Cat and the Canary. That was a classic one. Um, comedy horror killer who done it kind of thing, um, but yeah, loads and loads of stuff. Uh, even uh, King of the Zombies was a comedy as well. But uh, but yeah, so I, I most of my movie, well, yeah, all my movies start in the '80s and end in uh, last year. So now this is one that uh, I don't recommend, but it is. It is in it, probably one of the most tasteless movies on the uh, on my list, and it is a little movie from 1983 um, called Microwave Massacre. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and it, it is uh, it is one of the most ridiculous uh, sleazy uh, comedy horror films ever made, and it starred uh, the one and only. Jackie Vernon, voice of Frosty the Snowman, <laughs> uh, and the, and of course it was in that one Kolchak episode that we talked about last year. Um, the talking about cans of tuna, 
Do you remember that, Miles? That was your episode, I think. Uh, that, <laughs> repeat that? Don't worry about it. I'll just let it play the trailer from Microwave Massacre for everybody. Anthem Pictures reluctantly presents what is considered to be the worst horror film of all time. Your skin will crawl. Your stomach will turn. I have to go to restroom. I mean restroom. Your blood will boil. <laughs> Dining will never be the it's same. It's all caught in blue. I never tasted anything so unique. It's delicious. Dismemberment. Death. Oh man. Distastefulness. My hemorrhoids. Microwave massacre. This is it, May. You're a walking contraceptive. Say, you know, you look so much better in the dark. I've told you a million, billion, trillion times. You are what they eat. I know I'm gonna be sick. Too many bombs. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that they use all those uh, thunder uh, clap effects in there, Michelle, because the entire movie was shot during the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it there and it was like broad daylight, not a cloud in the sky. So um, you know, <laughs> um, interesting. A uh, lot of uh, I'm sure Joe Bob Briggs would love this one because lots of breasts in this film. <laughs> yes, even in the trailer there. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, the, the yeah that one didn't. Uh, eBay hasn't yanked it down, so. Uh, but uh, yeah, just an absolute ridiculous concept, uh, over the top, crazy gore. And again, how can you go wrong with having Frosty the Snowman in a horror movie? <laughs> Too many bones. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this one is just um, it, yeah pure schlock sleaze. Actually, I have the date on it wrong. It was 1979 that came out. Uh, I hate that when that happens. Um, so, uh, but yeah, that that one is. Uh, uh, but yeah, the, it's fed up with his wife's bad cooking. Donald kills her and turns to cannibalism to satisfy his appetite. Uh, so yeah, and so again, microwaves were relatively new at the time. So uh, why not incorporate them into a horror film? There you go. So, uh, speaking of which, we just got an air fryer. Yay. Hey. They're well, convenient. They are our, nice. Our toaster oven, the, the handle broke off of it. Um, and uh, I was like, this is like 17 years old. Let's just go ahead and get a, uh, uh, an air fryer. So, yes. So, yeah. So, now we'll have air fryer massacre. I'm sure it's probably in the works. If not, the asylum's already made it. Right, Michelle? I wouldn't be surprised if it's yeah. on some asylum drawing board yeah. somewhere. <laughs> Pork chop sandwiches. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. So the next one, uh, I know Michelle. This is probably going to be one of your personal favorites. Has a great theme song as well, um, and uh, it, it is uh, it is so over the top in in its gore. The story is magnificent. Some of the comedy in this movie is 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 just subtle and sublime. 
And but it is a gross out fest, and it's from 1985. Not Night of the Living Dead, not Dawn of the Dead, not Day of the Dead, but Return of the Living Dead. Oh, um, yes. Not part of the Romero franchise, but Night of the Living Dead is referenced in it as being an actual real occurrence, and the real bodies from that were shipped to a morgue in whatever town it takes place in. But yeah, Return of the Living Dead, 1985. Crazy great movie. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. is how do we get them back into the ground Frank we have a little problem boiler ten right Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. Ah! How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed the brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. Military is nervous. Usual crap. The police are confused. Send more cops. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The return of the living dead. Yeah, 45 Grave did the song, that song, and it's so good. So infectious. The lyrics are really disturbing for it, though. Um, and uh, But yeah, the cast in this movie, great. Two classic scream queens, Michelle Linnea Quigley and Jules Shepard. Uh, both appear in this film, and uh, screen legend uh, James Karen, of course, uh, was the <laughs> you watch your tongue, boy, <laughs> and uh, Don Calfa, um, you know, and uh, it, uh, just a lot of fun. Uh, well, and Miguel uh, A. Nunez Jr., uh, you'll re recognize him from the main cast too, but so the, the visual effects in that one, Michelle, are just like unparalleled, really. 
it gets done really, really well, and um, even even the even the the costuming is kind of fun too. I love mm -hmm. the you know the, the punk gang in the cemetery. Oh yeah, she, her colors, you know, the the girls' colors are just so bright and vivid. Trash. And you know you're gonna notice them. <laughs> that was Linnea Quigley's character, Trash. <laughs> um. And uh, Brian Peck played Scuzz. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not good with names, but yeah. Oh, Natalie that's okay. That. Yeah, that's all right. I remember, I remember the movie though. The movie, I love the movie. <laughs> I mean, there's so many good gags in there. Like you know, the the you know, um, send more cops. <laughs> yes, that's one of the zombies grabbing the police radio <laughs> because they've killed and eaten the cops. Um, and the paramedics <laughs> and the paramedics yeah everybody uh but yeah it, it's it's you know got such a great 80s aesthetic too with the you know because you can tell it was shot on a sound stage for the most part well you know a studio back lot um some of the uh locations kind of remind me of some of the locations in uh, back to the future uh but I don't I can't confirm or deny whether or not that's you know if they shared a lot um <clears throat> but it you know great 80s aesthetic horrible drippy uh what 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 they call the the one in the the the, the zombie in the tank what they call him the tar man or something like that yeah they had a I nickname think... for him i think that was it but i'm not sure yeah, because the special effects were amazing for 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 that movie. Yeah, the animatronics for the 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 female zombie strapped to the table, the one that you know says, uh, you know, why do you eat people, not people brains? Because and the hurt. twitching cadaver dogs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that one's that one's really messed up. So, Joe, you might not want to watch this one. You might want to steer Sharky clear of this one too. Yeah, he he doesn't like dogs being killed in anything. Yeah, they're not real dogs, so just mind you. At least I don't think so. Um, they, they were already dead, and they were used for veterinarian school, so they were split down the middle, so you would sell half, you know, half and half. And unfortunately, they came alive, too, and it was really gross. <laughs> yeah, there was all kinds of crazy stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and, of course, uh, just that one visual effect, too, of the skeleton you sitting up out of the grave or coming up out of the grave and then you see it's got like fully formed human eyeballs in its sockets that that's that's a really you know just very very iconic visuals um and uh but yeah just penultimate 80s uh uh horror comedy right there um hands down probably the best uh, for, uh, for me on my list. Um, now, <laughs> uh, many folks might not know this, but Peter Jackson, who is well known for, uh, Lord of the Lord of the Rings franchise and the Hobbit movies, uh, and a lot of other, uh, great, uh, cinematic, uh, uh, achievements like King Kong. Um, and, uh, he did a great movie. One of Kate Winslet's earliest movies called, uh, Heavenly Creatures. Uh, but before that... Uh, one might say he had bad taste because he did a movie called Bad Taste in 1987. <laughs> and it's uh, apparently, I, I, I had to go back and listen to what the narrator said towards the end, but he says the movie is juicier than an all-wax jock strap. <laughs> I was like, what the oh. hell did he say? <laughs> yeah. 
Yuck. <laughs> yeah. So listen to this ridiculous trailer. At last! Shit! Full story that made Meryl Streep throw up is now the movie that Steven Spielberg wouldn't dare to do. Bastard! Monty Python meets the evil dead in Bad Taste! It's a gourmet's delight with 2,300 bone-chipping, blood-dripping shots. Count them if you have the guts. Thrill to adventure beyond belief. I just hope we're in time to save the world. Be amazed by incredible exploding sheep. Sickened by bizarre alien rituals. That's gross. From New Zealand, the land that taste forgot comes the masterpiece juicier than an all-black jockstrap. The old magic's still there. It's the most awful movie of the year. With more chainsaws than a lumberjack camp. The place is like a bloody abattoir. It's bad taste rated. I'm born again. If you have half a brain, grab the video now. Yeah, so <laughs> it sounds just about as over the top as it is. It is really low budget. It is really gross. Um, and it's so funny to see that so many of these big directors have, uh, you know, come from the, the world of low budget horror, you know? Um, and I was even talking about this the other day, uh, that, you know, the, remember the movie Tromeo and Juliet, Michelle? Yes. Uh, th that was scripted by James Gunn. So. Was it? Yeah, he wrote, <laughs> he wrote, cause I was like, what the hell? I would, cause I, I sold it the other day in the store, but before I, um, listed it i was doing research on it and it was it said it showed james gunn in the you know when i looked it up and i was like what the hell and so i go to wikipedia and boom james gunn wrote tromeo and juliet so uh you know and he had some low budget uh roots with uh that movie the specials the it was a superhero spoof movie um with rob lowe and jamie kennedy and actually, the guy who played Sandman, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. He, he was on Wings, um, uh, Sandman in the, in the uh, Spider-Man movies. Um, can never remember that guy's name. But yeah. I can write, I know the face, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big square-jawed dude. Um, but uh, Peter Jackson also did Dead Alive. He did. He did Dead Alive and, of course, Meet the Feebles, too. Dead Alive, the budget for Dead Alive was about... I, I would say about uh, 50, you know, 500 times the, the size of the budget for uh, uh, Bad Taste. And I think that's wrong on, on the date for Bad Taste. Because uh, I, I, what, I, what I'll do is I'll write down um, the, yeah, no, 1987. That's when it says it came out. Um, sometimes people put the, the erroneous, erroneous dates on the trailers on YouTube, and I'll just yes. jot it down from there and... Then I have, then I stand, I have to correct myself. But yeah, um, you know, so, so Miles, big fan of Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, yeah, and Dead Alive. Yeah. What, what have you seen Bad Taste? No. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, so, but it's pretty, it has some really funny moments. I remember renting this with, uh, Mort, uh, Treehorn from Kill the Hippies, of course. Uh, and yes, don't worry, everybody. We have our new song coming next week, plus some bonus content. Uh, we came up with, uh, some other fun things from Vance Midnight and his swinging bodies. Um, so yeah, Michelle, and there's going to be a B-side to the song, Michelle. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, it just, 
but uh, uh, all right. Well, we gotta. I gotta get trucking with these trailers because I have a lot of them. So, uh, and I was late, and I apologize for that. But yeah, from nineteen eighty. No, okay, yeah, nineteen eighty-eight. Already teased. We talked about Jackie Vernon. Now John Vernon, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Something different. Star shooting star. Why here? Why now? Why clowns? <laughs> They've been knocking him dead all over the universe. What are you gonna do? Knock my block off. <laughs> Soon they'll be doing it at a theater near you. Killer clowns from outer space. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> They're just cruising through the galaxy and stopped here for a bite to eat. You don't need a police bell, you need a psychiatrist. They want to play games? They're messing with the wrong guy. What are you in for? Killer clowns from outer space. It's crazy. That's an understatement. That movie's bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> the visual effects on the, co- the 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 costumes for the clowns, the heads that they made up for them. I mean, that is just like pure nightmare fuel. Uh, <laughs> and you know, of course, this was pretty ahead of its time too for for killer clown movies because now it seems like you can't you know uh, uh, turn the corner without knocking a <laughs> knocking into a, a, a clown horror film and of course we have what's that new one that that's coming out the sequel to um, the ter- terrifier uh, 2 is coming terrifier out terrifier 2 yeah, yeah yeah terrifier 2 that's the one apparently people were fainting and throwing up watching that yes. movie <laughs> so i read a story about that i was like really that's kind of cool <laughs> So I have to see the first one so I can be prepared for the second one. Um, but, uh, yeah, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, uh, fantastic theme song. Again, uh, great punk rock band, the Dickies, did the the song for that. And that little guitar run of the... Oh, brilliant. Love that, incorporating the old um, circus music into that. And... Um, just a very, very clever song. And you could tell they really had fun writing that song for that movie, Michelle. Yeah, I, I would bet. Um, it's an it's an interesting uh, a theme for a movie, but I do enjoy it. There's something just guiltily fun about that movie. Oh, uh, and some of the kills in it, when they finally kill the cop. The cop, the, the, the head cop uh, that John Vernon plays is such an asshole in this movie. 
So, you know, it's like you're just waiting for him to die. And when you see him die, it's pretty gruesome. Basically, the killer clown turned him into a human um, uh, ventriloquist dummy by putting his fist through his back. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was it was pretty, pretty brutal. So is this a movie you've ever seen, Joe? <laughs> no. It's, it's so absurd. It's so stupid. Very, very, very 80s, too. So... Uh, but let me see. Uh, and uh, is this one you've watched, Miles? Is Michelle showing you this one? No. Yeah, it's it's pretty <laughs> great. Um, but uh, all right. So let's get to. Uh, let me see if I have any more from the '80s. I think that might be it. And of course, uh, one of my favorite movies of absolute all time, horror comedy or not. Um, it's uh basically. Uh, you know, this is a movie we've referenced a gazillion times on the show, probably played the trailer a couple times. Uh, but basically, this is Sam Raimi's interpretation of uh, <laughs> a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court <laughs> uh, meets The Three Stooges meets uh, his previous Evil Dead movies. And that's, of course, Army of Darkness from 1982 or 1992. I'm sorry. Starring the legendary If Chins Could Talk, Bruce Campbell. Age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. At a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. This one was us. Anybody die! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelaces untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. In the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. When they only spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. Now, he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Oh, that's gonna hurt! Director of Darkman. Comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. This movie was. I, I was. I, I've probably said this before, uh, but it bears repeating. At the end of Evil Dead Two. And you know, in the in the car falls down, he falls down, and then he realizes, you know, and he's in medieval Europe, medieval England, um, Ash, of course. I'm thinking to myself, Michelle, we are we are never going to see a sequel to this ever. We're never going to see a sequel to this. And damn it, if Sam Raimi didn't prove me wrong, he made it. And it was way better than I ever could have imagined it would have been. 
it was it, it's absolutely the first bit of of like what I feel like was real fan service from a director, you know? It was brilliant. Um, and the series that came afterwards wasn't bad either. Oh no, not at all. You know, I, 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 I and again, the, unfortunately, they could not reference Army of Darkness in uh, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead. Um, but uh, you know, you knew it was there. We all knew it was there. We knew what happened. Yes. Um, but you know that it was just one of those things where I, I just knew I was like, we're never going to, I, I would just be like, Oh my God, I would love to see a sequel to that. And then the commercials start coming out. I was like, Oh my God, it's happening. You know? Uh, I just didn't think any studio would go for that, you know, but they did. And lo and behold, you know, and look what, you know, how well Sam Raimi's done with his career. So many amazing movies. He did movies that I had no idea. He's done baseball movies and Westerns and, you know, all kinds of stuff. I think he did The Quick and the Dead and, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the baseball movie he did. But, uh, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, he, he's just really kind of become a renaissance man director, which is great. So, um, Joe, have you gotten a chance to see this one? No. Oh, it's so good. So good. So, you know, so much slapstick and goofiness. There's some genuine scariness in it, too. But it's really broken up by the comedy. And when you, you know, when the the best parts are when Ash is confronted by this knight who, you know, kind of reminiscent of uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark where the swordsman goes up against Indiana Jones and he shoots him. Well, the, uh, you know, the, he pulls out his sword and he has a sawed off shotgun and like blows the blade of his uh, uh, sword off. And he's like, listen, you screwheads, this is my boomstick. <laughs> And so they all start to think that he's like some kind of crazy wizard, and it's 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 awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, fun movie, fun movie. Uh, and arguably, I would say you don't even have to see Evil Dead Two to enjoy this one. Even although, no, this is a good standalone. Yeah, although you know what a heck of a double feature that would be if you watched the whole thing. And then don't forget, shop smart, shop S smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, all right, so we're going to have to go to the break. Uh, Michelle, who do we have uh, in our first uh, trailer break tonight? Well, we have a Mr. Paul Logan, born October 15th, 1973 in New Jersey. He's in a fun uh, little horror movie called The Sandman from 2017. We have Gary, uh, Gary Siner, born October 16th, 1947 in New York City. And actually, he was he, he started a movie that uh, Le, uh, Lenora had on her uh, second episode. But I chose another trailer. I chose Vlad from 2003. Nice. And then we have Mark Gattis, born, or Gattis, born October 17th, 1966, in Sedgefield, England. And uh, he's in uh, another Frankenstein movie called Victor Frankenstein from 2015. Alright, I think James McAvoy and uh, the guy who played Harry Potter was in that too, right? Yes, yes they were. Alright, All right, here we go. We'll be right back with more right after this. Daddy? Hello? Anyone in here? Is he gone? Who? A Sandman? Where is she? What have you done to her? 
My department has studied a lot of children over the years. She mentioned something to the doctor called Sandman. Children often make up boogeyman to deal with their real-life fears. I think this Sandman is Madison's way of dealing with the death of her parents. Sometimes when I get really scared, he comes out and hurts people. I can't control it. The Sandman is a character in a book. You can't bring it to life. I can't. In her fear, she literally brought her nightmare to life. All she wants is for it to stop. What's going on? Lock it down! The man you seek is a man who died 500 years ago. The man who is among us now is not a man. He is a creature. A legend of vengeance. He is trapped in time, unable to die, unable to live to stop him. All four of them are here. I urge you to explore deeply and with an open mind. <laughs> they don't want this world. It's just the beginning. And one to lead them. There's great danger to you and to the others as well. Someone is here. There's much danger, more than you can imagine. This is a necklace that belonged to Vlad. You must give it to me. Who are you? His presence will be felt. His force must be destroyed. I fear you. Embrace your fear. Before all are destroyed. He is near. Give her to me. I cannot let you have her. You must protect the girl. But you cannot stop me. Paul Popovich, Jan Heskin, Nicholas Irons, Brad Dourif, and Francesco Quinn as Vlad. There are worse things than death and Evil never dies. Vlad. It is a time of innovation and progress when the world's greatest minds push the limits of what's possible and delve deep into the unthinkable. My friend, Victor Frankenstein, is one such man. I dream of a world where hope replaces fear. Where a crippled man can be healed to walk again. What if we could give every life the chance it deserved? Igor. Help me change the world. There is a difference between using a machine to restore a life and to create something that was never supposed to exist. No! It's alive. I find your work astonishing. Could you create another one? I could and a whole lot more. Be careful, Mr. Frankenstein. Life is a sacred creation. 
I have a dream of an unkillable army of one million strong. Victor, you promised me this was all about life. It's about so much more. Welcome back to the show. Uh, sorry there was a glitch on that, Michelle. I actually had to play them manually because I forgot to put them all together in a break. So my apologies for the first one. Sounds like the first one was cut short. So Not a problem. Um, and uh, welcome back. That's the one thing I forgot to do. I forgot to do the trailer breaks, but I have the trailers here, so I'll play them uh, from your feed uh, uh, on the next break so they're uncut. Um, because unfortunately, sometimes that just happens with the downloading process from Discord. I don't understand why. Uh, but if I save them as a new file, it doesn't do it, which is just absurd. But anyway, welcome back to the show. Uh, Joe, uh, yeah, we've got some uh, some wacky comedy uh, horror uh, for you. Oh, screams and laughs. Yeah, screams and laughs. And, uh, uh, Miles, I'm glad you've seen at least one film on the list. I think you've seen two now. Uh, Army of Darkness you've seen, right? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, that's a fun one. That's a good movie for everybody, really. Um, and, uh, Michelle, very much uh, looking forward to another haunted tour tonight. Yeah, we got some cool little stories. Some really, right. really bad actors. <laughs> and all I'm not right. talking actors as in <laughs> professionals. I'm talking just bad people all yeah. together. <laughs> gotcha. So anyway, here's one for everybody. I I would bet this is one Joe has seen. Uh, because it's a Mel Brooks horror movie. And no, yes, everybody remembers Mel Brooks did a Frankenstein movie. But he also did a Dracula movie. Dracula, Dead and Loving It, starring Leslie Nielsen. This is the frightening and shocking tale of Count Dracula. Vampires do exist. This one we face is unlike any other. He can change the most innocent of humans. But you see, I'm British. So are these. <laughs> Women are rendered powerless under his spell. Stand up. Not you. Sit. You stand. No, sit. No, stand. Now, walk <laughs> to the terrace door. Watch out! His evil desire has no end. She's alive? She's nurse. Farachu. She's Italian? <laughs> Make no mistake, he must be stopped. Leslie Nielsen, Peter McNichol, Stephen Weber, Amy Yazbeck, Lizette Anthony, Harvey Corman, and Mel Brooks. If she dies, a victim, a 
of this unspeakable creature. She will become one herself. What? She will become one herself. <laughs> Dracula, dead and loving it. Ah, it's good to be dead. <laughs> She will become one herself. <laughs> <laughs> that gets me every time. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not quite the masterpiece of earlier Mel Brooks films uh, by any stretch uh, of you know the imagination, but it has some really, really funny, good slapstick moments in it. Um, you know that that uh, and Joe, you've seen it, right? I have not. <laughs> oh, you've not. Oh, okay. I have not. Oh, now, this wow. is what I'm going to have to catch up on because yeah, you'll enjoy it. Mel Brooks. Oh yeah, <laughs> that just a, where he repeats himself. She will become. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks in the part that he plays in it. He totally looks like he stepped right out of one of the old Universal horror films as like, uh, you know, a Van Helsing type character, Michelle. Very much so, and Harvey Corman playing the the the, 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 the psychiatrist that was obsessed with enemas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, he every time somebody had a mental breakdown or a problem, he said, "Give him an enema." <laughs> <You know? laughs> Would an enema help him? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is actually actually kind of historically accurate. Yeah. they did they did force en- enemas on mentally ill patients. In you know, in, in that time period, it was it was pretty awful. Yeah, and anima, anima of the state. Um, so, uh, but no, this this is a, 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 a. I mean, Leslie Nielsen as Dracula is just it's it's just hilarious in and of itself. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, and of course that opening scene too from the trailer where he rises up out of the coffin and bonks his head on the chandelier. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, just hysterical. Absolutely hysterical, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I you know uh, Mel Brooks can do no wrong in my eyes. You know this is I think this is just as good as Spaceballs. I know Spaceballs is really special to a lot of people, but I, I I found you know I don't think it's as classic as Blazing Saddles or Young Frankenstein. You know or the producers, um, but you know it, it, at one point he he basically became the architect for all of the scary the spoof monster movies that we have now because young Frank young Frankenstein kind of started that whole thing in a big way. Right, Michelle? Yeah, definitely. The ones that have a lot of sight gags too. Yeah. You know, you know, things that you, mm-hmm. you, you have to be on the lookout for and they're like a little stab at the genre. So mm-hmm. he did so. something like that. And, uh, about psycho high anxiety. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there was that anxiety, and there was that scene with the shower and the the newspaper, the rolled up newspaper, (laughs) (laughs) and showed the ink going down the drain. Yeah, that was classic. So (laughs) yeah, that movie, that movie had some really funny moments in it. Um, And again, great uh, Cloris Leachman uh, (laughs) role. So. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, just a, just a really fun movie. But anyway, I, I got to keep trucking here to, uh, make sure we, we co- I cover all my bases. Um, we're into the two thousands now and I know I could have mentioned it. 
um, uh, uh, you know, of course, the host, everyone's hostess with the mostess, Elvira, the one and only Cassandra Peterson. She did a sequel, sort of, uh, to Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, but it really wasn't. It was kind of its whole, uh, a whole other thing, but, uh, uh, puns and double entendres, uh, you know, not to, uh, um, escape, uh, Elvira, uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills from 2001, with another uh, screen legend, uh, Michelle, um, and I'm drawing a blank on his name. No, Richard uh, Richard O'Brien is that his name from Rocky Horror Picture Show? Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember. I, I think it's Rich. They'll mention his name in the trailer, but yeah. I think he actually in this one, uh, this movie was co-written by the guy who passed away recently, who played Chambi on uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll get all the information for it. But yeah, uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills. Some really funny puns and jokes in this one as well. This would make a great double feature with uh, um, uh, 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 Dracula uh, Dead and Loving. It. You won't be able to move. You won't be able to scream. You won't be able to take your eyes off of Elvira's Haunted Hills. Allow me to present Elvira. Yeah, nice meeting you too. Elvira. Entertainer extraordinaire. See Elvira stretch herself as an actress in her most challenging role. I just love butterflies ever so much. And her most revealing. Hey, hey, what are you doing? You want to blow the rating on this picture? Since, <laughs> uh... That last movie she did. Jeez, everybody's a critic. Richard O'Brien, in his most horrifying performance since Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, why? 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 Well, snap out of it. God, what are you going for, an Oscar? <laughs> you will witness the nightmare of a woman scorned. Oh. Ouch. A film that is so steamy. Lord have mercy. <laughs> so titillating. Ah! Lucky for you, I come equipped with my own airbags. <laughs> so shocking. That's another unfortunate Elzebus family traits. Catalepsy. Fear of cats? <laughs> it's a masterpiece for all time. It's time for bed. Ooh. It's time to send you back to hell. It's time for la douche. You'll scream. Ah! You'll laugh. Nice jacket. Who shot the stove? <laughs> You'll wet your pants. Damn, hate when that happens. Elvira's Haunted Hills. I slutty, adulterous darling. Hey, don't call me darling. From the masterfully macabre <laughs> mind of Elvira. Right, like there's something going on in my mind. Elvira's Haunted Hills. The village people say this castle is evil. Yeah, who listens to the village people anymore? <laughs> That's the best. The village people say this place is haunted. Who, ah, who listens to the village people anymore? <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Paragon is the name of the actor. He passed away um, in uh, April of last year. and He was Chambi, and he co-wrote this with Cassandra Peterson. Uh, so, uh, really fun movie. Uh I don't even know if it had a theatrical release. I think it might have been direct to video, but uh, yeah, it's 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 
pretty funny, just the description. Elvira and her maid Zuzu are en route to perform in the Parisian Review. Yes, I can, can. <laughs> but <laughs> inadvertently end up at the sinister Lord Vladimir Helzebus medieval castle. Um, and, uh, so, and of course she bears a, an uncanny resemblance to the Lord's, uh, long dead wife of, and, you know, so there's some, you know, house of dark shadows kind of stuff going on there. Uh, but yeah, great fun movie. And you gotta love all the sleazy Elvira double entendres there. Um, uh, in the name alone, Elvira's Haunted Hills, I think we know what that's in reference to. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of like her single, Two Big Pumpkins, uh, from a few years ago, uh, which I have on uh, a 7-inch record right here. Um, so, and it's, it, it's the, the cover on it is heat sensitive. So Elvira's like blacked out. So you have to hold your hand over her face and her chest until you can see the image. <laughs> so, uh, or anything else warm. Um, <laughs> remember her own personal airbags. Yes, exactly. Uh, but good movie. Uh, and you know, it's a shame she hasn't had more uh, movies. Cause I mean, I love Elvira Mistress of the Dark. It's such a good movie. I just watched that not too long ago. Um, for probably, I don't know, the 75th time. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, great, great, uh, movie underrated. Uh, all right. Got to keep hustling here. I'm probably going to save a couple for the end. Uh, my favorite from the child's play series. It is so ridiculous and so over the top. Has a wonderful cameo from John Waters in it, um, and uh, who dies a very gruesome death in it too. Uh, he plays a member of the paparazzi in Seed of Chucky from 2004 with Jennifer Tilly and of course Brad Dourif uh, as Chucky himself. And this movie is so it, it's probably one of the weirdest of the franchise, Michelle. Oh yeah, yes it is. <laughs> uh, just the way it starts off with the the freak show and everything oh man it is strange uh but yeah it's it's so good uh yeah seed of chucky 2004 here is a mega bombastic trailer for it told you not to leave your toys lying about. Good God, you are hideous. <laughs> the last time, he took a bride. But this time, in order to become the parents of a human baby, they'll need just the right woman. Jennifer Tilly. Production is underway on the new horror flick, Chucky Goes Psycho. You know, I should have played Aaron Brockovich. I could have done it without the Wonder Bra. In Planned Parenthood, timing is everything, so you'll have to hurry. That shouldn't be a problem for you. This fall, Chucky's back, and he's delivering us some evil. Come to Papa. <laughs> what the hell is going on in here? Cheap! <laughs> 
uh, came on to me. No wonder her career's in trouble. Seed of Chucky. That's my boy. Oh, God bless the little people. <laughs> this November, get a load of Chucky. Yeah, so uh, that that scene at the end there uh, where John Waters says, God bless the little people, uh, Chucky runs a Britney Spears lookalike off the road and her car explodes. <laughs> so, poor Britney. <laughs> Leave Britney alone. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... Uh, it's just such, you know, and I love gentle Glenn, Michelle. Oh, yeah. Was it ever determined whether or not the names were in homage to Glenn and Glenda? Uh, you know, I, I did not, I have not looked into it, but I would not be surprised one bit at all, uh, about that. So, um, but yeah, it really, it really fun, uh, wild movie. And uh, I, I hope Glenn makes a return in the Chucky TV series if he hasn't already. Um, but, uh, or Glenda. Uh, Glenn or Glenda. I don't care. Either one. Um, and, uh, you know, and that was interesting, too, because I think it, it was kind of, it wasn't, I don't think, in bad taste that, you know, he was questioning, you know, Glenn was questioning his identity. Uh, I don't think it was handled in a, in a, a, a nasty fashion at all. I think it was done well. I I I I enjoyed the movie. So you know, yeah. it was a great follow up to Bride of Chucky, and I mm-hmm. just you know so so oh, much fun, of, so much yeah. camp, and I love Jennifer Tilly. <laughs> oh yeah, me too, me too. Can't get enough for her. So, uh, but anyway, I'm gonna have to save the rest of mine uh, for uh, later in the show if we have time. Uh, I've got more from the 2000s. Uh, really looking, uh, you know. But yeah, I I think we, we have a good balance here. We dipped into some. Well, you know, some franchise stuff and uh, some sequels and, you know, some standalone stuff and just, you know, and again, the, the, you got to love being able to put a Mel Brooks horror, you know, comedy movie in there um, other than, you know, high anxiety or uh, young Frankenstein is always fun. But um, yeah, so killer clowns, evil dolls, uh, Wacky Drax, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, uh, Drippy Zombies. Uh, and what got I, do, it, got it I do like about The Dead and Loving It is at the beginning when they're, they're playing the intro music, it's the same intro music that was from Frank Langella's Dracula in 1979, I think it was. Whatever. Oh, so nice. It was, I've... yeah, just a very short bar of, you know, short passage of it, but that was it. That's very cool. So, uh, yeah, that's a movie. I have to rewatch that, too, uh, the Frank Langella um, Dracula um, have it on VHS. I can pop it in. So I also it's, have... it's a fun movie, but it's so not. It, it messes up the names and stuff in it, which is uh, kind of annoying for us people who've read the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and I have the soundtrack on an LP too, Michelle. I have all the dead media for that. So I have a CD of it. <laughs> Uh, but all right, well, uh, we're gonna go ahead and run to the break. I uh, hope everybody uh, can find something fun and scary to watch. Uh, for Halloween, and uh, next week I'm going to be talking about Halloween Halloween movies, uh, movies that take place on Halloween. And, uh, oh, and I'll let you tease later. We're going to have a special guest next week, so but we'll be right back after this. And now, on with the show. 
for your, your fellow expertise on uh, comedy horror. Appreciate that. You're most welcome. And, of course, Miles, looking forward to uh, your latest story involving uh, French and American forces, right? French versus American. Yeah, that was, I didn't want to spoil it. So, and, uh, and of course, Joe, uh, we're returning to the Key House, right? We are for season two. Yeah, so, uh, and I got your clips all loaded, so uh, go ahead, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, before we review Season 2 of Lock and Key, I think uh, I need to explain some of the uh, mythos uh, surrounding the series. Sure. So, uh, okay, just what are the keys, first of all? Where do they originate? And what is their magic? Which is confusing. Or could be. Uh, so during the Revolutionary War, Key House was used by the Continental Army to build and hide weapons. Miles, you might like that. Um, English Redcoat Captain Frederick Gideon, played by, you might know this guy, Kevin Durand. Doesn't ring a bell. X-Men Origins, Wolverine, and Resident Evil Retribution. Oh, yeah. Uh, Raids Key House. He raids Keyhouse and kills its owner, Peter Locke. Now, Gideon escapes and hides in the seaside caves where he discovers a portal that opens to a, like a Lovecraftian demon world. And demons fly out from this portal seeking human hosts, which they need to survive in our world. Uh, and one of them finds Gideon, and he is possessed by one of these demons. Now, Gideon was a lousy, a really bad red coat anyway, so uh, <laughs> he didn't have much of a stretch to become a demon. Uh, the demons uh, who fail to find a host fall to the ground and become whispering iron, like uh, bullets, and the material from which the keys are made. And Gideon is captured and hanged for his crimes. Right on the gallows, he warns to the uh, locks back in the 1700s, this evil isn't over yet. Clip one. Oops, I hit the wrong thing. Hang on. Frederick Gideon, for your multitude of crimes of which you were found guilty, the people of Massachusetts Bay Colony have sentenced you to death. You were a monster even before you went into that cave. I don't have a word for what you are now. Well... I am only 
the beginning, boy. Others from my world will follow and rip your world apart! Enough! Drop him! <laughs> Captain Gideon, guilty of crimes including assault, theft, arson, and the murder of Peter Locke. Well, using some of those uh, whispering irons that were left behind in the sea cave, uh, Peter Locke's son, Benjamin, uh, who, like his father, is a blacksmith, tries to craft a key to permanently lock the black door. And at first he fails, because he turn, but he learns from his sister that would require a sacrifice of some uh, if of someone to uh, some of the maker's blood to infuse the uh, intention for which the key is made. So Benjamin uses his own blood, forges the first key, the Omega key, which doesn't make sense because that's key. But anyway, <laughs> he forges the Omega key and he seals away the portal uh, in clip two. What good will a door do? It will turn evil against itself by making both lock and key from this whispering iron. The door will work. I know it in my heart. No luck? I'm missing some elements. In my reading of the rituals of alchemy, it must have two things. Intention and sacrifice to bind the spellcaster, you, to the magic source, Whispering Iron. What kind of sacrifice? Fillings mm. in your teeth. What's that? You make fillings in your teeth. <laughs> you, well, I, <laughs> well, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not with these whispering eyes. Well, right. What else could you craft from these whispering eyes, right? So, well. Well, uh, I'll just say the road is paved with good intentions. And whispering iron. <laughs> but, uh, well. What could you craft with these? Well, they began to find out in season one uh, a lot of mischief, right? So as season two unfolds, Nina starts a new job uh, renovating the school theater at Matheson Academy. That's Nina's the mother of the, the brood. And uh, there she meets a history teacher named Josh Bennett, who happens to be a descendant of Gideon. Uh evil Gideon. And her children are trying to start a normal life. Uncle Duncan is temporarily leaving it, living at Key House, planning to planning his wedding, while his fiance is away in Japan. So 
the most ominous part of, of season two is what Dodge and who is the demon from season one is up to. Uh, and that's explained in the uh, season trailer. That'd be clip three. My husband died last year. And I moved my kids to the house where he grew up. The kids, they are doing great. But I can't move on from things that still make no sense to me. You would tell me, wouldn't you, if there was something going on? Just because we figured out a few of the keys, we think we know everything. We don't know everything, but we know that Dodge is gone. Why would you turn into someone like Gabe? Because no one's going to suspect him of being anything more than a nerdy little kid who's fallen in love with Kinsey. Do you understand? This world has so much potential to be reborn, to be ruled. It's time to finish what I started. How are you going to do that? You ready? The keys, they can bring about the greatest good, the darkest evil, and you as the maker get to decide. Up to us now. This has to end. Killer. Sounds pretty mm -hmm. ominous. It was. It is pretty ominous. Because by using the identity key, which can you can change your appearance to be anybody you want, Dodge has taken the Kinsey's new boyfriend, Gabe. And his he teams up with Eden, who's one of the mean girls from season one, uh, who was infected by one of the demons. Now, they occupy a remote cabin, the two of them, and use it to execute their plan to build a demon army. Oy. Michelle, demon, demon army. Michelle. Yeah, it, it's always something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Dodge, now Gabe, <laughs> tries, he's Dodge Echo Gabe, tries to fashion a key to turn anyone into a demon using a whispering iron they stole from uh, Nina's new boyfriend, the history teacher, Josh Bennett. And, um, and as you recall, I, I mentioned he was also the ancestor of Captain Frederick Gideon, uh, who played a more prominent role in season three. Uh, but Gabe's attempts to make this this uh, demon key fail, uh, because when he tries it on a, a local fisherman, it sort of turns him into uh, mush. <laughs> Clip four. Ooh. I don't know. I thought that key was badass. The goal wasn't to turn him into a pile of mush and bones. 
whispering iron left to make one more. I need to get this right. How are you going to do that? We're going straight to the source. The locks. So Dodge, Echo, Gabe, finds out that it's Uncle Duncan, who's now living at Lockhouse, preparing for his wedding, is the only one who can fashion keys from Whispering Iron. So kidnaps Bodie and threatens to kill him unless Duncan makes the demon key for him. Uh, that'd be clip five. So what do you want? not true for Bodie's sake don't do it uncle don't get enough air there stop 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 I'll make the key if you let him go I'll do you one better make my key I'll let both of you go well, I promise. I won't give a damn about any of you once I have my key. To make the key, I need to know your intention. What do you want it to do? Ooh, this can't be good. Mm. Well, no. So, he makes the key. And in clip six, it's complete. How much longer? Process is the process. Now I have to imbue the key with its intention. Is it working? It would be if you'd shut up. What's that? Don't worry about it. Who's in there? Just make the damn key. Blood sacrifice, right? It has to be lock blood. <laughs> of course it does. Is it done? Should be. Test the key. Gabe tries it on one of his former friends from school, Javi. 
He's sort of like the guinea pig. That's clip seven. Last good thing Aiden did for me. Get me a guinea pig. Are you kidding me? Well, I gotta try it out on someone. Unless you want me to try it out on your little nephew over there. You'll regret this. Doubt it. See, in the world I come from, the chaos consumes us, and we consume the chaos. Over here, this world has so much potential to be reborn and consumed, to be ruled. Hey, man, this isn't funny, bro. Might not be funny, but it is going to be fun. That's incredible. All right, hold still, Javi, buddy. Hold still. Come on, this isn't going to hurt. I don't know. It might. I actually don't know. Javi, go smash your head against the wall. before you turn your head to mush. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Dunk, Dunk did good. Um, but Gabe, who has had a falling out with his partner, Eden, um, so he threatens to kill Kinsey's mother unless Kinsey agrees to turn into a demon to help because he no longer has Eden helping him because uh, she felt a little betrayed by Gabe, even though she's a demon of her own. Um uh, but Uncle Duncan has a plan to stop Dodge and his demon army using a whispering stone that a whispering iron that Tyler found hidden by his father, Rendell, uh, as a uh, as a uh, on his fishing hat, and he had it as a as a lead weight, and um, so they take this last known whispering iron, and he guides Tyler into making an alpha key that will kill any demon possessed by a host. So as the demon army is made, this key will undemon. Uh, in clip eight, uh, we hear about Gabe's ultimatum. Now you just need to stir it as it melts. How'd you learn how to do all this? Chamberlain taught us, though I think he grew to regret it. You know, Rendell, he said that I was lucky. I had been given a gift. It's hard for me to see it that way when the only two keys I've made have caused so much pain. I hope it'll be different for you. It will be. How's it going in here? This just needs to melt, pour it in the mold, and then we have to wait for it to harden. Mm -hmm. How long will that take? 
Well, every key's different. Could be a couple minutes, could be a couple hours. But you'll be finished by tonight, right? What's the matter? Gabe showed up at Key House. And? He told me he's gonna kill Mom if I don't agree to turn. It'll be all right. It's never gonna get that far. There's no way to totally protect her. I can't let that happen. Well, you're not gonna turn. I'm not gonna let him kill Mom. He went after Jackie because of me. No, no, no. That wasn't your fault. Wasn't it? If we're being totally honest here. Don't even think like that, Kinsey. He gave me until tomorrow. All these ultimatums. A lot of ultimatums. And you know what? You think Dodge Echo Gabe could be stopped? Will Kinsey turn to save her mother? Will the Alpha Key work? And who the hell is Eden summoning from the well house at the end of the last episode? You'll find Ooh. out in the thrilling and twisting end of season two, aptly named Cliffhanger. <laughs> Very nice. Cool. So, uh, do they make a lambda 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 key? So that opens all. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are many confusing keys, but there are places on the internet you can go and learn all about all the keys in lock and key. The Apparently, this was a comic book before yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. I think yeah, Dark, season Dark, three. Go ahead. I I think it was put up by Dark Horse Comics, if I'm not mistaken. But you uh, are right. Yeah, you are correct, sir. Yes. So that's Lock and Key, and season three will be next week on our Halloween show. Fun, fun. And the eerie and evil Captain Gideon dominates that season. All right. So, yeah, I think the Lambda, Lambda, Lambda key would uh, um, Mm -hmm. open any frat house. (laughs) Probably. So... (laughs) <laughs> and all the evils therein. <laughs> yeah, really. So <clears throat> all the hazing rituals. Uh, <laughs> yes, they'd all all come to to the surface. All right. Well, looking forward to uh, season three uh, review next week. And uh, if, if you don't have anything else, we're going to go ahead and run to the break. Okay. All right. Here we go. Another mythical moment from uh, Adam Hebert coming your way. Uh, I got to turn the music up. There we go. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll be right back with lots more, uh, It Came From Cleveland after this. Whoop the goddamn to do What do we have here? For Radio for Humans and It Came From Cleveland, this is Mythical Moment 38, The Meat of Poetry. Nice to meet you. This week, we return to Northern Europe for another visit with the Aesir and the other colorful characters and beings we see in the mythology of the Norse. This time, we'll learn how the Vikings believed man came to be inspired to write poetry. Our story begins at the conclusion of the great war between the Aesir and the Vanir, the Vanir being similar but distinct from the Aesir. To cement their truce, the Vanir gave the Aesir prisoners in the form of Freya, 
Freyr, and Njord. Then all of the gods gathered together and spit into a vat. Using this spit, they created a new human being who was incredibly intelligent and eloquent, whom the gods named Kvasir. Kvasir wandered the world, sharing his wisdom and eloquence with those who would listen to him. One day, he visited the dwarves Falar and Galar, who decided to kill him. They drained his blood completely, mixed it with honey, and created mead, which they kept in large vats. They then told the gods that Kvasir had become so intelligent they had been suffocated by the weight of his enormous brain. The gods, accepting this entirely rational explanation, let it go at that. But Fowler and Galar weren't content with murdering just one man. No, they had ambition. They killed a Jodin by taking him out to sea and drowning him, and then killed his mourning wife by dropping a millstone on her head as she cried. The Odin son took the dwarves out to a reef that was covered by water at high tide and stranded them there to drown, demanding the mead they had as recompense for the savage murder of his parents. Because apparently this Yodin, being down two parents and up some great booze, was a net win. The Yodin locked up the mead and had his daughter guard it. Meanwhile, Odin wandered under the alias of Bolviark. He came across a group of slaves belonging to the brother of the Yodin who now possessed the mead. He produced a whetstone and sharpened the size of the slaves, who asked about purchasing the whetstone. Odin, instead, simply tossed the whetstone into the sky. In the ensuing mad rush to get the stone, all the slaves managed to kill themselves with the size that Odin had just sharpened. His work of murder done, he went to visit their owner, who complained about his clumsy slaves had just killed themselves with their own size. Odin offered to work for the Jotun in exchange for a single sip of his brother's mead, to which the Jotun agreed. Odin worked for the Jotun, and when the time to pay came up, the Jotun who owned the mead told his brother he wasn't going to pay for someone else's labor. And so Odin came up with a way to get to the mead without going through the brothers. Using a drill, he bored a hole into the mountain the vats were kept inside of. There, he met the Jotun's daughter, whom he seduced and bedded for three days and nights. As the Yodin woman slept, basking in post-coital bliss, Odin emptied the vats entirely of the mead. As Odin slurped the potent potable, the Yodin woman woke up and called for her father, telling him they were being robbed. Odin responded by turning into an eagle and hauling ass back to Asgard, the three angry Yodins in hot pursuit. Meanwhile, back at Asgard, the gods prepared three large vats for the mead to be deposited in. Odin got within range of one of the vats and began to vomit up the mead of poetry into them. He then made another pass, filling the second, and then finally the third. The liquor that he had drank made it so he had to urinate very, very badly. And so, some of the mead was passed through Odin and came out as urine, which trickled down into the world. Insert a joke about golden showers here. Ultimately, there became two forms of the mead of poetry. One, the true meat of poetry, would give those who drank of it the wit and eloquence of Kvaser. The other, the false meat of poetry, which had been made when Odin couldn't hold his water, would cause those who consumed it to be foolish and cause them to write horrible poetry that would rival even that of the Vogons from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert telling you that if you've ever written piss poor poetry, now you know exactly why. Back to you, Kenny.
background music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Thanks, Alexander. It came from Cleveland. And Joe, thank you for your recap of Lock and Key Season 2. You're so welcome. So and, welcome. All right, Michelle, I got my uh, my my walking shoes on for our next tour. Can't so, wait. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, uh, welcome back, Miles, and the floor is yours. All right, very good. So, um... To, I'm uh, as I do research, I inevitably find more, and I'm like, ah, I gotta tell that too. So um, this will become a multi-part thing, but uh, next week. Anyway, anyway, I just I just want to give that little warning. So I'm going to kick things off with two questions for the the uh, the peanut gallery. Hope you guys are ready. So I'm going to ask the two questions. Uh, you know, simultaneously, kind of give give them both out there, so you guys have a little time to you know think about the answer, and then uh, we'll 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 put you to the answers. Michelle might have uh, peeked over my shoulder while I'm doing research, so she might have a clue to the answers. So she'll answer last. So, um, the first question. So, who did the French believe? they were fighting is it a the u.s b germany c japan or d an alien race with acid for blood and the second question is where did the conflict occur a the european theater b the african theater c the pacific theater or d the lv426 theater which is about 35 light years towards the uh, galaxy core all right so Back to the first question about who the French thought they were fighting. We'll start with Kenny. Was it uh, A, B, C, or D? I think it was maybe the Germans. Okay, that would be B. And Joe? Did I lose Joe? Oh, no. I was muted. I was leaning toward the aliens. But, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go with the Germans. Okay, that's fair. And Michelle? Who do the French believe they were fighting? The U. They the, the, actually that was the U.S. Or do they believe they were fighting the Germans, Japanese, or the alien race? I think they thought it actually was the U.S. Okay. Uh, and where was the conflict fighting? Uh, Kenny, we'll start with you. The African theater. African theater. Okay. And Joe. I was going to say the exact same thing. Very good. And Michelle. European. European. All right. Well, everybody gets a point. Everybody's a tie for first place. Michelle was correct. The French knew they were fighting American forces, but it was the African theater. So okay. how I'm going to kick this off is I'm going to give the back history of what led up to this. And then I'm going to go um, into what actually happened. And, you know, there's lots of cool stories on the way. So I'm going to. I'll be touching on lots of things. 
So it is 1942, early 1942, and things are going pretty well for Germany. Uh, oh man, oh Kenny, I, I need to, I need you to get a clip um, where it, the uh, when I, when I say things like that, so you can play the springtime for anyway. Um, <laughs> so Germany's doing really well in 42. Springtime for Hitler and Germany. Thank you. Deutschland <laughs> is happy and gay. We're marching to a fast <laughs> I gotta make my uh, nieces and nephews watch that movie. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, Operation Barbosa is underway. I don't think I've done a show on that, so that's something I got to do. Um, Rommel is tearing through Africa, kicking British ass towards uh, uh, Egypt. So that's happening. And so, with all the success that Germany has, I mean, they, they just ran over uh, France, it's under their control. And so, Hitler felt that the United States would focus its attention on the Pacific theater because, you know, Pearl Harbor and why would the U.S. want to come over here and get their ass handed to them uh, by the German war machine, which would be, you know, just a total meat grinder. And so with this delay, that would buy time for Germany to capture the Russian oil and thus stabilize their uh, 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 resource collection so that when America eventually came over to fight uh, Germany, they would be ready because they'd have all the fuel they needed and, and life would be good. So that's where things are, you know, that's Germany's mindset in 1942. So, um, in uh, November of um, 42, the German and Italian intelligence agencies picked up a buildup of a fleet near Gibraltar. And that's, of course, uh, near the Strait of Gibraltar, which is the entrance to the Mediterranean Sea, um, south of Spain. And the Germans were just like, uh, they, they dismissed it as just a supply convoy to Malta, Malta, being just a small little uh, island uh, near Sicily or whatever mm -hmm. that was still in the hands of uh, uh, Britain or, or or something. And the Italians were more concerned. And so they pleaded with Hitler, like, hey, look, you need to look at this a little more closely. You know, you know we're, we're a little bit concerned about this. But by this time, Hitler had pretty much lost his confidence in Italy's uh, abilities or you know, dedication to the war or whatever. And so, as a result, request denied. And so um, this chutzpah, I guess for a lack of, lack of a better term, of uh, arrogance on the German part, like, yeah, no, they're not daring to come after us. It turned out that that was not a supply convoy, but it was an invasion force with 65,000 troops led by Dwight D. Eisenhower, Lieutenant General Eisenhower, 
and he was in charge of what's called Operation Torch. It had a previous name, but I, I, I've lost it um, at, at, the, at, the, at the time. All right, so Operation Torch. I'm going to throw up a quick little uh, picture, and boop, there we go. Oh, did I put it in the right room? I think I did. Okay, so Operation Torch is the evasion of Africa in a nutshell. Um, now, how does this invasion come to be? So it is um, in, in, in early 1942, um, America is pretty much joined in the war because late 1941, Pearl Harbor happened and everybody's declaring war against everybody and yay, America's now in. And this, of course, pleased Churchill because now he would be getting a much more vigorous supply from uh, the United States, for, and that would support his forces. And he, they needed that very badly. They were getting their teeth kicked in by the Germans, by the bombings, Dunkirk, the whole shebang. It was, it was a nightmare for Britain. And so the, the, the problem that started to arise because now you've got British commanders and you've got American commanders that are coming together and they are coming and they're sorting out like how to proceed and prosecute the war. And understandably, when you have um, more than one individual you're going to have more than one set of objectives and priorities. It's exactly the same as when you're interpreting the Bible. So just like that, it's like eh, the Americans who were led by General George C. Marshall wanted to go right at Germany. They wanted to go, nope, let's go invade France. Uh, you know, we'll liberate it and we'll take the fight right to Germany. The British who were more, mm, again, their teeth were kicked in. They were not ready. They knew that if it, they had proceeded with um, an invasion of France, it would be a bloodbath. And they would be required to send the, the, the lion's share of, of the support and what have you. And they were not ready. And on a side note... It is said that uh, Churchill also was in favor of a um, delay of invading France and wanting to focus on the Mediterranean because in Churchill's view, it was a good thing that the Russians and the Germans were savaging each other. So he looked at that as a good thing. You know, those two people killing each other off, great, keep it up. So uh, the heat was off Britain a little bit as, as uh, again, uh, Germany was very focused on pushing east into Russia and trying to secure uh, resources and oils and, and all that good stuff. Now, so there is um, this problem that the British um, want to clear the Mediterranean 
and restore um, supply flows from their colonies and whatnot. And the Americans, of course, were like, nope, we want France. And it got to the point where um, Marshall was like, it, it, the, 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 the disagreements became so heated that he was like, he was at the point, he was going to let, he was like, fine, well, I'll just take my American forces, we will focus on the Japanese and just go into the Pacific theater and we'll let the Brits handle the German, you know, the European theater. Mm -hmm. Big problem is that um, FDR overruled the military. So the military was like, all right, let's just go to the Pacific. And FDR just put the hammer down and went, nope, we are not. We are going to go to Africa. So why did that happen? Why did FDR make this decision? Well, it turns out that Churchill was visiting at the White House when the news arrived about the fall of Tobruk. And Tobruk is a city or town that is in the far northeast corner of Libya. And like 80,000 troops were captured by the Germans. It was bad. Rommel is a badass. I mean, the guy was like the youngest uh, person to be uh, promoted in the in the Wehrmacht uh, to the highest stations he got. It was like a, a, a it's a weird name, like Ufer General or something. I don't know, it, but it, it, uh, he's a military genius. Rommel was not, you know, and, and and so he's kicking British ass. And Churchill was at the White House when he got the news, and FDR saw. Churchill's reaction when he got the news of the fall of Tobruk. And when he saw this, FDR made the promise to Churchill right then and there that U.S. forces would go to Africa. And so this is what ended the deadlock. Not because, you know, uh, American generals came to terms with British generals and negotiated out, it was because the American president went and laid down the law and went, nope, you're going to, you're going to Africa. So thus uh, starts the planning of Operation Torch. Now, um, the area in Africa that America was going to invade off to the uh, west side of Africa over there by Morocco was controlled by the, the Vichy uh, French regime. And that is the, like the pro-Nazi, um, yeah, so France collapsed and a puppet government was installed in the southern quarter, third of France and the occupied zone up in the north was held by the Germans. So the, the, the French had their own version of, uh, I don't want to say Nazis, but right-wingers that, of course, were, you know, like, you know, like, hey, let's just not fight the Germans and things are fine. We'll just sympathetic. Hold on to yeah, good yeah. words, yeah. Sympathetic to the Germans, you know, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> but now the Germans also had like 2 million French prisoners of war and they were still using them as uh, forced labor slave labor, for, for lack of a better word, 
in their um, agricultural, their factories and their mines. And so the French really had a, you know, a, a sword to their throat, if you will. Now, the Vichy, uh, even though they were, they were sort of um, militarily neutral, they weren't, they were basically like, so Germany punches France down, crushes it. And the Vichy were, were, were basically became militarily neutral. They weren't sending more stuff to Germany to fight the war. They were just basically um, hunkered down, covered up in their small little area of territory and just saying, nope, we're not fighting anymore. We're neutral. And so this ended the Western Front of for Germany, effectively. Now, it, it, it the Nazis really did not trust the Vichy French. Understandably so. Um, you know, after you defeat an enemy, the first thought in your mind is that this enemy is going to come back and bite you in the ass. Mm -hmm. And so, no, no supplies were sent to the Vichy French. Uh, by the Germans, or if there were supply sent, it was extremely low, low qualities, you know, subsistence level kind of stuff. And so the French um, that were that were down in Africa in, in their uh, colony of Morocco had um, old stuff, and fu funnily enough, the old some of the old stuff that they had was. American aircraft. And so in the fight to come, American aircraft were fighting American aircraft. <laughs> oh, yes, there were French pilots, but uh, it was that, that, that's, that's the situation it was. There were some aircraft carriers, by the way, in this fight in, in the Atlantic, American aircraft carriers, which is, uh, they were small ones. They weren't the really, really big ones. But yeah, that, that's how, that's how, how this, how uh, unusual this was become. And so on November 8th, at 5.30 in the morning, um, the German foreign minister called the Italian foreign minister and gave him the bad news. Like, hey, the Americans just landed in uh, Morocco, in the French uh, calling territory of Morocco. What, uh, what are you going to do about it? And the Italian foreign minister had no idea. And so both they, they were like, they were not ready. They did not expect this to happen i mean the, hitler was so confident that uh, like nope america's not coming and the you know the intelligence forces are like hey look over here we got a problem and the germans are like it's nothing and so now you have uh, uh, an invasion force of sixty-five thousand troops off of africa and ready to start kicking ass now um the french um of course were uh, not all French were you know, puppets of Germany. And there was a general named Antoine Victor, and he was in Morocco. Um, this is around Casablanca. And he attempted a coup. In, this, in the dead of night, he went in and with loyal uh, troops loyal to him, they went to try and seize control and take out the French commander of the Vichier force regimes um, at, at his villa, but they failed. 
to break in and capture him before the the commander of the Vichy forces was able to summon reinforcements to come to his aid and save him. And so the coup was defeated. The goal of uh, General Victor was to take com- take control, grab uh, you know uh, authority over all the French forces there, and then the next day surrender to the American and the Allied forces, thus saving countless lives and uh, you know ending you know pretty much just handing everything over to the uh, to the Allies. But that's not how things went. So the coup failed, and uh, the the American forces were like, you know, hey, um, these French—they're they're really not going to put up a serious fight. They they want to join us, don't they? I mean, the Germans humiliated them with the capture of their home country and stuff like that. These guys are just going to, you know, put up maybe a token. I, I don't know what the, they didn't even expect a token fight. The Americans were not thinking that this was a bad. Now, um, so they they proceeded. Uh, to go in. So next time I'm going to talk about this, um, I will discuss uh, the actual invasion and and, uh, and 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 notable things that happened. But I want to tell you how bad things went for the Americans because amphibious, um, amphibious combat was still in its infancy. Um, it happened in World War One, but that was you know and that was a disaster. But it's not really something that that had been mastered yet, mm-hmm. um, and so there is a definite learning curve. And I'm just going to give some numbers on how bad things went because the the American forces they are not in the comfort zone of the Mediterranean Sea, and the Mediterranean Sea, by and large, is a you know sizable body of water. But it's surrounded by the Europe to the north, Africa to the south. And so there's not that much wide open spaces to create waves from wind. Whereas in the Atlantic Ocean, huh, <laughs> yeah, it's rough. It's, it's very bad. And so uh, the numbers I'll be giving, the, uh, there's a transport known as the Leopard 1. It had a, um, I don't know how many landing craft it had in order to land forces, but it lost 21 of them in yep. the surf. The Jefferson lost 16 out of 31, and that was in its first attempt to get troops onto the, uh, the, the, the land. And the Carroll lost 18 of 25. So just as a rough, just rough percentages, the Carroll lost seventy-five percent of its transport capacity. The Jefferson lost fifty percent, and I don't know how many the Leopard has. I would imagine it's around two-thirds or so uh, of its capacity. But that—that's what a disaster! How how much of a disaster things are starting off for the Americans, and the um, the end total. Uh, I'll give the end total of how bad things were for Operation Torch. The United States lost 479 dead and 720 wounded, and the French lost 1,346 dead and almost 2,000 wounded. Wow. So, 
uh, yeah, that it's yeah. I'm gonna be. I'll be. So I'll be talking more about Operation Torch and going forward next week, per special request by uh, Mr. Pick. The the my my story is going to be about a military unit that uh, disguised itself, uh, you know, in honor of Halloween, and I'll tell about its little adventure um, it during World War II, where. Um, it, it, it tried to look like something that it wasn't. So I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. But, uh, but the, well, the, thank the, you for the, doing the, that. Yeah. I appreciate it. That sounds interesting. And not that this isn't this, because this is fascinating stuff. I, I enjoy it. I know the, the history of the world is, um, you know, world war two is a big one. I mean, I'll, I'll of course do, do other things. Other things I want to talk about, like there was a, um, a rescue mission of a, a, a mercenary, not a mercenary. She was a healer in the like the Doctors Without Borders, you know those get people in Africa mm, and all that. Okay, that was captured. And I want to talk about like how she was rescued. I think that happened under Obama. So I don't know if you've heard that story, but it's 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 one I think is worthy of telling. Cool. Um, I've got I, I've got so many. So the problem is I've done so many stories and I've got so many bouncing around in my head. I've lost track, and there's no way for me to know. <laughs> which ones I've already told. And so I'm like, oh, crap, did I tell that story? You know, so I, sometimes I got to ask again, you know, what uh, what did I? And I got to ask you guys, do you remember me talking about so-and-so? But, uh, well, you know, no, harm, we'll, we'll, hey, no harm in asking, right? Yeah, I'll ask, you know, and if and if, if you remember, great. And if you don't remember, well, maybe I'll have to tell it a second time. <laughs> but, but there you go. Um, so there we go. Yeah, all right, cool. Uh, I'm seeing the 8.58 is the time, so I'm cool with that. All right. Well, thank you for that, Miles. Uh, looking forward to right. uh, more install installments on that. And, of course, your uh, your disguise, uh, your costume story next week, as it were. Yes. And, uh, so, all right. Uh, when we come back, Michelle is going to take us uh, down New Orleans way for some spooky goings-on, right? Oh, yeah. All right. So hang tight. We'll be right back with lots more. It came from Cleveland right after this. Killer clowns from outer space. Holy shit. It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. Back from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now at last, the real shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. Foolish unto you. Something evil. She's a witch queen. A few oldies. Not recommended for impressionable children. I had to. Nice. I was like, what clip can I use? And I was like, oh, Witch Queen of New Orleans. Tom Jones cover, of course. So hopefully uh, the music unions don't 
come after me and slit my throat. Uh, but welcome back to the program. Uh, and thank you, Miles, for that interesting uh, little story about the Vichy. You're welcome. Vichy Swa. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, Miles, uh, or Joe, I'm sorry, can't wait to uh, check out Lock and Key, uh, per your recommendation. Yes, you'll like it. All right. And Michelle, uh, fortunately, there was a little bit of a pause before we did the uh, uh, start of the show back up. I took that opportunity to, to make sure your next trailer files didn't get cut off. I, so I, I saved them. Um, uh, but yeah, so uh, welcome back to the show. And um, looking very much forward to uh, taking a trip with Michelle, our tour guide, once again. We're going down to the land of the swamps and the bayous of the the voodoo and the witchcraft and slavery and deep south and pirates and just all sorts of fun and and uh, spookiness and that would be the streets of New Orleans. Oh, nice. um, now you'd be surprised on how. New Orleans is used as a setting a lot of times for horror movies, but it's never, it's very few of them actually center on the actual history of the, uh, the, the city. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have Lafayette, the pirate, you have, uh, La- Lafitte, the pirate, um, you have, uh, Madame Laveau, um, the, the voodoo queen, um, so you got movies like Angel Heart. Yeah, that was about voodoo in, in, in New Orleans and stuff like that. The devil yeah. and all that. Um, you've got, uh, you know, several movies like American Gothic that we talked about earlier. Or was it, was, or was it, no, it was called Gothic Harvest. That was set in New Orleans. A couple of party girls go down to New Orleans and get caught up in, in, in some supernatural shenanigans. Mm-hmm. But, um... The, the city itself has such a rich history from its days as you know a, a you know a, 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 a you know a, a bustling seaport which it still is a little bit um and you know being where it was located you know you had your Cajuns in the swamp and then you had your Creoles which are and and and, and you had your French French and you had you know just a, a an amazing mix of people coming in and out. And since um, its early days, there were always rumors. I mean, you have the swamp there, and that's going to generate folklore and 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 spo- a spooking setting. You have you know the the sailors coming in and out with all sorts of cultures meshing together. And then you have the standout story. I mean, heck, even even you know it's it's been a place of of, of vampire legends as well. You know, it's an interview with a vampire. It, you know, Louis and uh, uh, Lestat were in, you know, New Orleans for a while. And that has added to its rich history. I have but, to ask, because Susan started watching it, and I know you and Joe are fans. Are you guys watching the new uh, Interview with a Vampire series? Not yet, but it is on the list. Joe, have yes, you checked it out? Yes, not yet, but I am looking forward to it, yes. Susan yes. said it is extremely addictive, and I'm probably going to have to sign up for AMC Plus for and cancel another subscription because... Uh, there you go. Because they, they let her watch the first couple episodes, and they're like, no, nah, I can't watch the rest. And she's like, I need more! So, <laughs> so yeah. It's a little bit more uh, in favor of the actual books. Because Tom Cruise did not fit the role at all. 
I don't. Yeah, he I'm, I'm assuming yeah. it is. It, it probably is better uh, because Susan read the books too. So uh, although nobody nobody can beat uh, what was her name? Was it Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, she was in that. Yeah, the play played the little female vampire. I don't think anybody could reach her her <laughs> perfection that she put into that role. So that was the one great thing about that movie. All right. Well, you guys will have to let let me know, and I'll pass it on to Susan after you guys check it out, and maybe we'll have her on to talk about it. But lately in New Orleans lore, one name has popped up in very, very current pop culture references. And that is of Madame La Laurie. Now she appears in American Horror Story Covenant and a few other, uh, I mean, Coven, sorry, Coven, and a few other interesting movies or documentaries but a little background about her in 1834 um there was a crime that absolutely shocked the city of new orleans um there's a woman uh she had a physician husband and two children they lived in a large gray mansion on the corner of royal and governor nichols street they were socialites they were known for their lavish parties their uh extremely well-behaved servants and slaves um, but everything wasn't uh, a bed of roses underneath the skin, as it were. There were a lot of skeletons in the closet. Um, during one preparation for a party, uh, Madame Laurie, La Laurie was uh, being attended to by a young uh, 12-year-old uh, serving girl. And the serving girl was brushing out her hair hit a knot and yanked the hair on Madame Lollery's head. And supposedly, according to the legend, La Madame Lollery then went after this girl with a whip to punish her and oh. chased her off the second story balcony from the, uh, uh, from the house to the courtyard below, killing the girl. Um, that was when yep. her hitting the knot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She uh, she was brought uh, to court for the crime, only had to pay a fine of $300. And then went back to, you know, her lavish lifestyle with her husband. Um, in 1834, another fire broke, uh, a fire broke out at Lollery. And this was uh, believed to have been started by the servants because they needed something that would attack, attract the attention of the authorities. They entered oh. through the courtyard and proceeded to put out the fire in the kitchen. The servants then brought them to a locked door on the third floor. They, uh, they heard screams and cries from within that room. When they used a battering ram to break down the door, it flew open and several of the firefighters fell to their knees as a wafting stench of rotting meat and death boiled uh. out of the sealed door. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, they found numerous people chained to the walls, maimed and disfigured, uh, victims of very cruel medical experiments. Several had their faces disfigured. One of them was looked like to be the uh, um, recipient of a very extremely crude and uh, sadistic sex change operation. Oh, my gosh. Um, one woman who managed to break free from her shackles instead uh, ran out of the house screaming in terror and uh, fell to her death as well supposedly 
because she was so terrified, so traumatized by what had happened to her. Um, that sounds horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, it 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 was it was it was pretty tragic. Um, they had found they also had found several graves later on. They found several graves on the site, um, buried in the courtyard of uh, unidentified servants and a child. And um, as the uh, people were being removed, from the, all the, the victims were being removed from the residence, a mob had gathered outside. And uh, they had, had no idea what was going on behind those walls. And the mob decided to storm the house and ransacked it. And, you know, they were just tore the house apart. But the Lawlories, um and their children managed to get into a carriage and disappear at the river. Um, they believed that they went back to Paris, but they weren't quite sure. So... That is the history from a, a wonderful uh, a book called Journey into Darkness, The Ghosts and Vampires of New Orleans by Catherine Smith. It was a tour that Miles and I took. It's an interesting story, but it's very creepy. Yeah. So <laughs> be careful when you you're imagine? brushing careful when you're brushing people's hair. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. Um. Well, back then, you know, slavery, you know, the, the people were, were livestock. Oh, and no, she did, was, yeah. she was, yeah, she was worse than that. Most, most people, you know, at least wanted to keep their livestock healthy, but she didn't, her and her husband, her husband was performing medical experiments. On well, hang people. on a second. Now, Republicans tell me that uh, slave owners were really nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. No. <laughs> I, I think you're different. But, yeah. you know, they're, they're trying to rewrite history, and rewriting history is... Is never a good thing. No. Uh, but yeah, so um, as its current pop culture references are, we have had a wonderful series, as I, as I stated at the beginning of the show, called American Horror Story. And they did Coven, which I think is me and Joe's favorite season. Right? You, you got it. Yes. <laughs> Coven. Well, I think Great. Susan is right there with you. So we have the uh, the teaser trailer for that. I mean, well, the trailer for that from uh, YouTube. All right, here you go. Apparently I'm a witch. There's something I should have told you. There's a school there for girls like you. You'll be safe. Idiots. The only thing you have to be afraid of is me. You girls need to learn to fight. When witches don't fight, we burn. There you go. I gave you a Stevie Nicks twirling gif. Very cool. Yes, because she's in it. Um, it's an amazing, an amazing season, and it's got Angela Bassett in it playing, you know, the infamous voodoo queen, and of course, the reason why we're mentioning it here, Kathy Bates playing Madame La Laurie, who is who is resurrected, and um. Put into a situ, put into a uh, situation that almost justly penalizes her for her actions. She is made to become a servant in ways. But her, mm -hmm. the Kathy Bates' role was absolutely spectacular in this, and they bring that rich history of the tragedy, and you know, because they even a couple of the, the 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 flashback scenes of her 
treating her servants and stuff like that are absolutely tragic. She's a remarkable actor, too, Kathy Bates. And from what I read, she had just been uh, coming off of a double mastectomy when she accepted this role. And she was feeling a little down and, and, you know, a little, uh, you know, the the cancer had really beaten her up a little bit. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, Well, she's a, you know, uh, she's a real trooper. And she said it, it just it just it just saved her life. She just enjoyed that role so much. She she enjoys the, the, the series. I mean, she came back again and again. So there you go. Um, so that is one of our the, the really good current uh, pop culture um, references. And I keep trying to hold down my talk, push a talk key, but I opened up my mic for this. So um <laughs> The uh, the next one and the next reference I have here is a really really bad 1999 movie called the Francisville Experiment, um, and it's one of those found footage movies. And it's, I don't think it's an asylum production. I think it's even worse, you know, cheaper than an asylum an asylum film. And oh. that would be our next <laughs> it's, trailer. It's even cheaper than an asylum film. What did somebody just make it on their phone? It looks like it. <laughs> and you can almost see the string pulling certain props across the room. Watch out for the string. He broke it. Uh, all right. Wow, the doink sound effect is a back in full swing. Here we go. The St. Francisville Experiment. 1832, New Orleans. Fire breaks out. Firemen on the scene make a grim discovery. The bodies of slaves and chains and cages. Tortured, mutilated, and maimed. The St. Francisville Mansion stays haunted by their spirits to this day. Four real people. The actual St. Francisville house. It's cold up here. It's cold. Jazz it up for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick aside, real quick. Uh, Joe Bob Briggs is actually doing his his uh, October Halloween hoot nanny on Shutter, so it'll probably be ready for reviewing on Sunday. Awesome. And the first movie he's showing. Drum roll, please. Elvira's Haunted Hills. No shit. Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would uh, Elvira's Haunted Hills. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Killer clowns from outer space. Holy shit. No, I thought he said no shit. He said holy shit. Uh, but yeah, and that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm glad he's playing that. It is a really fun movie, and I, I have uh, such admiration for both him, him and Elvira. And, you know, Cassandra Peterson has uh, come out recently. Uh, 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 
bring she she uh there's an article out there i can't remember where i read it but it's something about how she's uh bringing uh queerness to elvira is since she's kind of you know she's come out and you know uh as being a lesbian and whatnot and um you know, and I, I just always been a drag icon too. So yeah, it's it was just so empowering. You know, for for somebody as cool and you know as, as iconic as her to um, bring her voice to the the you know the table for uh, other people and you know who who uh, don't have quite the voice she does. You know, she's 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 amazing, and she 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 not she has done a lot of speaking up about it. Um, and I heard a rumor that she's actually going to be guesting on the show tonight, too. So that would oh, be pretty cool. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah, so, because that's been a get he's been trying to get for a while. Because Fen Gulley was on during his summer uh, marathon. Oh, that's awesome. He popped out of a cake for him. So it was really <laughs> cute. So, uh, yeah, so, um, so La Lori Mansion. There we go. We got a really crappy found footage movie. It. They call it the Saint, uh, yeah, it's called the, the Saint Francisville experiment, but they were using the La Laurie background as a sort of a, 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 a cheap way to give them a story for their location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was it, it was it was pretty pretty bad. Um, but so then you have your reality TV shows, and everybody's doing a reality TV show lately. And there's a uh, there's one on uh, the Travel Channel. It has had three seasons, um, and it was called Portals to Hell. And um, it is now available to watch on Discovery+. Plus. And it stars Jack Osborne, yes, of those Osbournes, <laughs> and Katrina Weedman. And they go around the country, and they look at haunted houses and, you know, uh, haunted places and, and, you know, try to figure out whether this is a portal to hell or not. It's... (laughs) I I haven't really watched it much. All I gotta say is Jack Osborne is no Wolfgang Van Halen. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) But I was, like, surprised. I'm like, Jack Osborne, is that... And then I looked it up and like, yep, it's it's the sun, I guess. (laughs) of Ozzy's so. offspring. Um, yeah, so here is the intro to that. We're the first paranormal investigation show ever to set foot on this property. I just saw a shadow move. Like right there, something went boom. What was that? Did you hear that? Yeah, what was that? Is this place a portal to hell? This is nuts. He believes that you're demonic. So this should really piss you off. Today, we are going to investigate the infamous LaLaurie Mansion here in New Orleans. Right. It's kind of a big deal. This is uh, this place has never been investigated, uh, especially from a paranormal TV show. So we're setting the bar high. Yeah, and the, I mean, it's pretty historic. I've been trying to get in here for 10 years, but I think the first step we have to do is start separating the truth from the myth. Exactly. Because there's a lot of rumors about the atrocities that happened there. Let's hit it.
New Orleans is the only city I've ever been to that I feel like you could just lift everybody out and this city would still have a pulse. Yeah. It's just, it is alive with this unique energy that yeah. I've never felt anywhere else that I've gone. A lot of people think New Orleans is actually the most haunted city in America. Yeah. You've got voodoo, you've got a huge amount of black magic. Apparently there's people that identify as vampires that live here. Uh, yeah. It's a huge part of the culture, this kind of mysticism and dark arts. And you have to wonder in a place where there's this kind of acceptance of kind of like anything goes, the people that don't have the best intent, did they open up doorways that they shouldn't have and that can't be closed? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, hey, Jack Osborne's got to make a, a living, I suppose. Yeah. It lasted for three seasons. I think they were canceled, though, so. <laughs> yeah, well, the worst show, I don't know if you ever saw it, but he did a show that he, he hosted with, his, with Ozzy and Sharon that I saw a couple times slipping through the channels and they just basically watched like fake YouTube videos of like, oh, there's something, there's a shadow moving in this video or there's an alien creature or there's a chupacabra or, you know, there's some eyes in the shadows and and they would play these videos and then and Ozzy would be like, oh, no, there's definitely something there. Uh. <laughs> and no, like, I did not know. That's probably what led to this then. <laughs> I Yeah, or that was a spinoff of, of I, who knows? I, I don't know. I'll, 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 find, I'll find what that show was. But it was so stupid and low budget. It's like, really? That's where you go from uh, the Osbournes. Just go, go write another album, Ozzy. Hurry up. You don't have much time. Right, yeah. Actually, so, he, just, um, he just did, but yeah. anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so, so technically, that's the only paranormal show that I know of that's actually done a, a, a bit inside the, the La Lori house. Um, but um, some interesting news is as of June 10th, 2001, um, another franchise has just been announced by the creators and producers of the Conjuring series. Chad and Carrie Hayes have named Darren Lynn Bousman to direct a new franchise called the La Laurie Mansion. Okay. So that looks interesting. He uh, just recently come off of doing a movie called Spiral, as well as the last three Saw movies. Okay. It's going to be Faster Horse Pictures. It's going to be the producers, and they've already written the screenplay, and it is still showing as announced. So they don't have any real solid dates yet or any cast information. So. All right. So, but I look that... forward to that. The Conjuring movies were all well done. Oh sure, yeah, those are those are a lot of fun and super creepy. Now we're getting close to the end of my time. So what I'm going to cover is um. New you can Orleans take has a you can take of, extra time. I just have a few trailers to play, so we're good. Oh okay. Um. So uh, Pirates Alley. Now, Pirates Alley is known as, uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned, Lafayette, the pirate, all sorts of um, cutthroats and narrative wells were supposedly um, frequented the area between the St. Louis Cathedral and the Calib Cabadillo, um, which is in the French Quarter, in the center of the French Quarter. You can't miss the cathedral. It's actually very beautiful. We've been there. Um, I've been to New Orleans, I think, twice. So, um, there's this was a place where the privateers and the uh, pirates, like Jean Lafitte, would sell their goods. 
Um, it okay. has, uh, if you follow the road down, you can get to Lafayette's Blacksmith. And that is one of the oldest operate, the old, one of the oldest buildings in the United States. And it's actually an operating bar, if I remember correctly now. And uh, so that is part of the rich uh, legacy. You know, people have, have seen, you know, shadowy figures of men dressed, you know, like pirates and stuff. Although what they've probably saw is a lot different than they probably saw what their imagination thought a pirate looked like. Pirates did not dress very well. And they have this sweat stained. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was. So basically, I'm a pirate. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not an Errol Flynn swashbuckler look. No, not even close. Uh, so, so they're not like they're not like Thor. It's like a pirate had a baby with an angel. No, yeah. <laughs> like a pirate had a baby with an angel. Yes. <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh. God bless. That really does. So you know that's another place that has a lot of rich history and a lot of um. Uh, um, it's you know when you have a dark, crowded area where skullduggery used to take place, and you know you're gonna have rumors mm -hmm. that will come up and and such. But then you go to like the hotels in uh, Louisiana, and most of the big hotels have some some ghost story or another about them. Because some of these buildings were actually used as, like, hospitals. When plagues, you know, when diseases, would, when they have, like, a big outbreak of malaria or, or cholera mm -hmm. or any of the any of those diseases that really ran, went rampant in, you know, the times before we actually had solid hospitals built. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, there's uh the, the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel is said to have a uh, a phantom uh, uh maid or um uh, a bedroom attendant that would bring people uh bed warmers. Oh. Yep, they 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 they, they find they they'll find out that uh, that well she doesn't really bring the bed warmer into the place, but customers have then gone to sleep and then found them w woken up and found themselves tucked into bed quite securely. Well, that seems like a useful spirit. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's 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 she doesn't she, she doesn't use the bed warmers anymore, but she does make sure you get a good night's sleep. Well, there you go. Um, is huh. this the same? Is this the same one that had the desk clerk that had the haunting voice? Aging Mr. Herman, Mr. Herman, you have a telephone call at the front desk. Sorry, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> I'm just looking for excuses to play clips now. Um, the one, the Andrew Jackson Hotel on 919 Royal Street, has been known uh, that was a, it was a boys' school, boys' boarding school at one time. It was just destroyed by a, one of the five fires that devastated the city in 1700s. Five little boys died, um, and uh, for many years, the the because the hotel is primarily adults only, guests have complained about children um, playing in the hallways in the middle of the night, and other uh, then hearing them in the courtyard. Oh, that's not creepy at all. And there has been said that there um, has been an apparition resembling the General Andrew uh, Jackson 
has been seen walking the halls on a variety of occasions. Okay. So this place is that that house isn't clean. <laughs> no, that house is not clean. This house is clean. No, no, it's not. Now, the one movie I could find, it's um, supposedly, ba- it's supposedly based on a haunted hotel in New Orleans. Um, a lot of it was filmed on site and in some of the surrounding little parishes outside of um, New Orleans. Uh, and it's, it, it's Italian. <laughs> okay. It's by one of uh, the the directors we've talked about before, Lucio Lu- Lucio Fulci. Lu- Lucio, Lucio Fulci. Fulci. Yeah. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. I know. I know this movie. This movie's so good. This movie I is figured, so good. Yeah. I figured you would like this if I picked this one. So. Oh yeah. The Beyond, oh. 1981. Oh my God! It's so good. It's so creepy. <laughs> Eliza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. Go back to where you came from and hurry. Leave this place. Sixty years ago, everybody in this hotel disappeared. Every last person. A painter called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key. You think you'll um, give it up now? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Well, I won't give in. Nobody here. I can feel a presence. Somebody else is in here. Oh, some weird story that Emily told me about room 36. Emily? Who's Emily? The blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. Yes! That house has been abandoned. 
Davis. him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. Aging Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, you have a telephone call at the front desk. That was the scariest scene. Uh, no. <laughs> Great movie. Such a cool movie. A little disjointed in its storytelling, but I don't mind that for the kind of subject matter, because it does. This movie kind of leans into cosmic horror a little bit too, so um, you know it, it has a very Lovecraftian feel for that kind of. But I think that's the like it lost in interpretation, uh, it lost in translation kind of thing, Michelle, because it, they are Italian directors and they're coming at this uh, very American uh, cultural um, uh, uh, history but then kind of fictionalizing it uh to in in a in the european sense you know i noticed that you know a couple of movies that have taken place in new york have been the same way if they're italian made yes. and what's funny is you can tell if you i can hear it being an italian movie i don't yeah. even have to see the video i can mm -hmm. tell by the way they're talking well, those dubbed, yeah, yeah, those <laughs> dubbed voices, those dubbed voices, the very stilted kind of language, you know, they're those are probably European actors doing American accents, and you know, every American accent is this American accent when you do are doing an American accent, just like this is every English accent when you're doing an English accent, governor, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> much like like the, the kid that what that uh, or the whoever did the voice for bob in the house by the cemetery the kid that was the little blonde kid that was in that one that's like the worst dubbing ever <laughs> <laughs> i always love it when it's blatantly a woman doing a little boy's voice yeah i'm pretty you know? sure that might have been what it was yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's a there's an episode of the twilight zone like that uh you remember the one with the kids in the pool and they swim underwater and, you know, go into this other dimension where they get stuffed full of cake from their this nice, kindly old lady. But then back in the real world, their parents are awful human beings. You guys remember that episode? You remember like, that? Like the, uh, the, Star, the, the Star Trek episode. Well, this... With, um, yeah. with a kid. The Tranya. kid that was playing the alien. Oh yeah, that was yeah. that was Clint Howard, yeah. But the that Twilight Zone episode, I don't remember the name of it, but Joe, do you know which one I'm talking about? You there, Joe? You don't you're breaking up. You're oh. breaking up and I'm only hearing part of the Oh. Okay. Uh can you hear me now? Yeah, repeat. <laughs> yeah, there's an episode of the Twilight Zone where these two little kids, uh, are, their parents are, are always really nasty and they're swimming in their pool and they swim underwater and they go like into another dimension where they're treated really nice and fed nice food by this kindly old lady. Yes, yes, I and remember the, that one. Okay, that episode is the craziest one because the kids, they it in the in when they go underwater and they go to the other place with the old lady. It's the real kids' voices, but in those outdoor shots by the pool, the voices are done by the by uh, June Foray, who did Rocky this Rocky 
Rocket J Squirrel. And you can totally tell there's like a bad dub for those outdoor shots. And I just found it really interesting. We were just talking about women blatantly voicing, uh, doing overdubs for little kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that that episode. And I remember thinking that was really a bad bad dubbing. (laughs) Yeah. But it was June Foray, at least. So... Uh, but, uh, anyway, Michelle, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I derailed that for you, Michelle, but, uh, go ahead and, uh, continue. But yeah, this is a great movie. The, um, the beyond 1981. Pretty much, uh, what I've got for new Orleans at this point. Um, um, we have now is our trailer break and then. Okay. Well, let's get on with the trailer break because, uh, we got some good ones. They're short, but it's cool. Oh, yes, and we've got one I have to mention every October just because it it, it is like it's one of the best fun werewolf movies out there. Oh, uh, God, we have yes. Calvin Lockhart, born October 18th, 1934, in Nassau, Bahamas, and he is in the ever popular, amazing The Beast Must Die, 1974. Love it. <laughs> yes. Then we have Tracy Griffin. Griffith, born October 19th, 1965, in New York City, New York. She is in a really, really stinker of a movie. I think I, this is not Asylum. I think this is New Line Cinema. <laughs> and it's called Skeeter from 1993. Skeeter. <laughs> it's about giant mosquitoes. <laughs> nice. And then we have Sam Witwer, born October 20th, 1977, in Glenview, Illinois. And he is in a fun little anthology horror story called Tales of Halloween from 2015. The moon is full. The beast must die. One of you is a werewolf. You must track down the werewolf. One of these eight people is a werewolf. Can you guess which one? 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 One of these eight people will turn into a werewolf. Can you guess who it is when we stop the film for the werewolf break? See it. Solve it. But don't tell. The beast must die. Something evil is in the air. This town's dying faster than any of you want to believe, Roy. Something mysterious that preys upon the living. What the hell is that? What is that? Get in the car! But can anyone or anything stop it? This thing is bigger than the two of us. What are those things in the water? They look alive. This sci-fi thriller stars Tracy Griffith of The First Power and The Finest Hour. Charles Napier of Philadelphia, Silence of the Lambs, and Rambo. Michael J. Pollard of Split Second, and Jim Young's of Footloose. You knew about this. Sorry, sir. And sci-fi titles on video are a guaranteed hit with over 13 million consistent renters. Get out! Roy, let me help you! Roy! Video delivers a new action-packed sci-fi tale of horror to boost your profits. You've seen aliens. You remember the fly. Sarah! 
and you felt tremors. Now, experience the terror of Skeeter. Every year on Halloween, this town goes batshit crazy. Trick or treat. this idea what you're dealing with. I don't like mosquitoes! Who does you shithead? Uh, so, <laughs> anyway... Welcome back to the program. Did anybody recognize who that clip was from? Joe, you remember that one, right? I don't like mosquitoes! Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But he likes Doritos. Uh, mm. <laughs> the orange gun. Uh, anyway, welcome back. Uh, thank you. That was the quickest trailer break I think we've we've had ever. Uh, those were all like a minute long. Yeah, they they were not very long ones. <laughs> yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Well, thank you for that, Michelle. Appreciate uh, your due diligence on trailer duty around here. You are here. most welcome. So, and uh, thank you again, Miles, for that uh, interesting uh, story about uh, French, the French. Oh, the French. Um, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. God, why didn't you cue me for that? You got me for springtime for uh, for Hitler, but uh, um, but uh. I could oh here I could uh, I could play this. Uh. I'm French. Why do you think I have this outrageous accent, you silly king? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was a uh, interesting. I did, had no idea that the there were actual Vichy forces. Uh, the, I think I've heard of it, but I didn't realize that they actually Nazis had sympathetic uh, uh, militia militias, as it were. Um, but you know, uh, sadly they're everywhere. Yeah. In Alabama. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of, uh, obviously we have a lot of people in the, in the MAGA forces out there who are sympathetic to Russia being, um, you know, uh, uh you know, Vlad, the mad butcher, um, you know, uh, he's strong. He wears lifts. Um, so uh, anyway, um, yeah. So Joe, thank you again uh, for the uh, the interesting. I'm I'm very intrigued by lock and key now. Uh, finding out about how the keys are crafted. A little spoilery for me, but it's it's a uh, it's pretty cool. You there, Joe? Well, yeah. It's yeah. uh, yeah. Okay, I am. cool. There you are. Okay. But you were you were saying? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, how the keys are crafted and everything. It actually, it's all. 
minor details, really, yeah. because um, there's a lot I left out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Adds a lot to this. Adds a lot to it. Yeah. All right. Well, no, but it sounds very compelling. Uh, very, very compelling. All right. So I have four more movies I want to get to. I think I should have uh, enough time. Um, but uh, yeah, these are all from uh, the last uh, 15 years. Um, the first one is uh, Michelle. I don't know if you've seen this. A great cast. Rob Corddry. Uh, um, Oh gosh, uh, Keenan, uh, oh, from, uh, Keen Peel. Gosh, what's his, Keegan, oh God, I can't remember his name. Um, anyway. Yeah, I know me, what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, Hell Baby, let me play it from 2007 and then I'll tell you the cast. From the creators of look, Reno 911. Boss, I may have another job for you. Take a look at that photo. So gross. Super gross. Super gross. This neighborhood is on the upswing. We could paint this place today, sell it tomorrow, and still make money. Yes, we could. Jeepers. You're not just a little nervous in this house? Hey, there's not one thing to be afraid of in this house. Ah! What are you doing out there? You can't move into the Maison de Sang and not raise a few eyebrows. Maison de Sang? What does it mean? House of Blood. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. This place has a nickname already. What is going on right now? This house has had a strange effect on my wife. Yes, darling. And I think she might be possessed by a demon, so I'm a little stressed out. be tripping that's some crazy shit. we have pictures of a ghost dog and a gruesome crucifixion murder could be the devil mm -hmm. you know could be an ex-girlfriend on pcp <laughs> it's a harpy you guys get a lot of these you'd be surprised kind of people that think that the devil is made up like santa claus but i assure you the devil is real we're going to need some per diem. <laughs> if we uh, wrap this up in time, I kind of want to check out the French Quarter, huh? Is this a place where the girls flash at their boobies? <laughs> Yikes. College girls taking their perky brand new boobs out for a little uh, victory lap. You had me at perky new boobs. Mm. <laughs> so much boob talk in these horror comedies. Um, and it, it fits <laughs> in well, too, because it was a fixer upper in New Orleans. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. So this movie, great cast Robert Ben Garant and Thomas Lennon from Reno 911 play uh father sebastian and father padrigo two chain smoking horny catholic priests who are going to try and exercise the house you have uh rob cordroy as the the husband and leslie bibb as the pregnant wife who becomes possessed uh by the house 
Uh, Keegan Michael Key is from Key and Peel, and all kinds of other great stuff. Um, he the guy is, living in the crawl space. It, the guy living <laughs> in the crawl space, and he it, who climbs in and is like, oh, I just had to find out who bought this place. Um, you have uh, the the cops played by uh, Rob Hubel and Paul Shear. Though you'll know their faces from all kinds of different comedy things. Michael Ian Michael Ian Black and David P- uh, Peskesi, who was in She-Hulk as Mister Immortal, and Kumail uh, uh, I'm sorry, Kumail uh, Nanjiani, who was in the Immortal or the Eternals rather. Uh, tons of different uh, great comic character actors in this movie. It is ridiculous. It is funny. It's gory. It's silly. And oh, and. Uh, Ricky Lindholm, one half of Garfunkel and Oates, is in a very revealing scene in this movie as well. Um, So, (laughs) uh, yeah. Uh, If anybody's not familiar with Garfunkel and Oates, you should check them out. They have some really funny uh, uh, comedy songs that you can watch on YouTube. I think they had a TV show for a while. But you'll you'll recognize the other half of that is uh, if anybody watched um, Big Bang Theory... Um, oh, I can't, oh gosh, um, let me see, um, yeah, uh, Kate Micucci was, she played, uh, one of the girlfriends on, um, Big Bang Theory, the, the nervous, uh, kind of doe-eyed, uh, brunette who dated, um, Oh, I can't remember the characters' names on that show. But anyway, she was in that. But she's one half of uh, Garfunkel and Oates, and they do some really funny songs called... Uh, the one The one they do is called Pregnant Women Are Smug. Is epic. It's hilarious. It'll be stuck in your head after you hear it. Yeah, um, she has a really... Uh, Kate Micucci has a really, really fun one, uh, The Happy Song. And uh, Hal plays that on his show a lot, too. I oh, am nice. happy. You are happy. Let us be happy together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That might... I'm not sure if uh, if she if was it just her on her own or was it uh it was her well, on her own yes okay interesting so uh but anyway um gotta get I'm gonna skip this one because it's not really one of my favorites but uh, I'll give it an honorable mention Jennifer's body the trailer's kind of lackluster um but uh, I do want to play the last two uh, from 2017 uh the babysitter uh this one is oh, great. Yes. The babysitter, uh, the, the the kid is kind of smitten with her. Uh, she's a super, uh, you know, trim, sexy blonde, and she has a dark secret. All right, tomorrow night, you, me, party. What up, say? Be cautious if there's any trouble, okay? Cole, don't cause any trouble. I bet B has boys over at your place all the time. That's what babysitters do. Seriously, have you ever been awake after she's fallen asleep? I love her. is trying to kill me. But the attacker's in the house. The downstairs having a blast. Alrighty, babes, let's head upstairs and get the blood of the innocent. 
this would go viral. I mean, nobody's done human sacrifice. People have always done human sacrifice. Yeah, but like, not in America with hot people. Hey. when you make a deal with the devil. Why is he shirtless? That's your first question? There's only one way to end this You guys suck. You crazy bitch. Yeah, really fun movie. Really pretty gory, too. I mean, for what it is. Um, and the sequel's not bad, either. Oh, and it is confirmed Cassandra Peterson is on as a guest on Joe Bob Briggs yep. tonight. Yep, she is. She's sitting there talking to him right now. Awesome. Is she in character or just as Cassandra? She's just as Cassandra. Well, that's cool. I like that because you know, I, you know, it's always weird to me when a lot, you know, a lot of the there were are people who always just show up in character, and she's not one of them, and I appreciate that. That you know, she's she's open and honest, and and of course, I love redheads too, and brunettes, so <laughs> and blondes. Either way, she's sexy. <laughs> So, uh, I love all ladies. But anyway, um, uh, but the Sues, I love the most. Hi, Sues. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the last one I'm going to play, this one has an awesome 80s vibe to it. We've talked about it before, I think, on our old show. I can't remember. Um, but uh, this one comes to us from 2021. And it has comedy, it has gore, it has cosmic horror, it has sci-fi weirdness, it has mutant police officer, a mutant police officer. <laughs> it has a kid transformed into a very strange creature. It's the one and only psycho gore man, a little girl in control of the most powerful creature in the galaxy. Many moons ago. A nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. Hurry up! If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will Mimi, take your as I Is this yours? Be? Oh. oh my god. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye. Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. No doubt. He's gonna kill everybody, not unless I tell him to. What did you three maniacs get up to? Um, this is getting a little weird. This sick game must come to an end. She will enslave the galaxy into endless servitude. Kill him! Cool. 
ultimate evil has awoken. There's a new god in town, and his name? Psycho Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. <laughs> Alright, bye. <laughs> I do not care for hunky boys, or do I? Uh, <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, Psycho Gorman, he questions his sexuality. It's like, you know, hey, maybe you are. You know, maybe, maybe you do care for hunky boys. Um, But no, this movie is, is really fun. It is irreverent. It is kind of a love letter to the 80s. And, you know, it's, it's, it, and believe it or not, it's actually kind of thought provoking and addresses a lot of important issues here and there. It's, it's a great movie and just over the top. I mean, it, it, there, they, there's like, they made a new top to go over for this movie, Michelle. Very much so. We both enjoyed it. Miles and I both saw it as soon as it came out. Yeah, had- same. We have been waiting for it, and we're like, "Yes!" <laughs> yeah, this is like the new one, the Megan, the new, the the one next year for me is going to be that Megan movie about the uh, the android, uh, the the AI doll. Um, that basically is like looks like the Chucky reboot done right to me. You Makes know, sense. Yeah, you know the the. Um, uh, Child's Play, where Mark Hamill voiced the AI doll version of of Chucky, uh, but this one, that trailer, uh, I, I don't know if anybody's heard of this movie. It comes out next year. Megan stylized M three G A N. I posted the trailer in the general chat here uh, last week when I first saw it and posted. This is my f- new favorite movie I haven't seen yet. And it looks so cool. I love it. I love evil AI. That's like, that's my jam. <laughs> and I'm sorry I said that's my jam. I hate that phrase. Um, but I did. So my jam, I like on my toast. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so those are all my recommendations. Again, the only one I skipped over was Jennifer's Body. Because I, I liked it. Susan likes it a lot. Um, and, it, you know... It's a popular seller in our store, by the way, on DVD and Blu-ray. But uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a fun movie. Um, it has uh, Megan Fox, dip, no relation, Megan, and um, uh, Amanda Seyfried, who was in Big Love, but uh, and a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, a fun movie, a creepy movie. Uh, but you know, it's. That was probably my least favorite on the list. But yeah, there you go. Those are all my comedy horror recommendations. And uh, Joe, I'm shocked. You shocked me tonight for the very first time uh, on the program. Okay. And that was... Oh, I'm sorry. I used automated Joe. So, (laughs) Uh, And that is, you've never seen Dracula Dead and Loving It. No. And I almost slipped into my Dracula no, voice that I've been doing quite a bit lately for the Vance Midnight things, and you shocked me. <laughs> I did. I did shock you. Yeah. So, uh, well, and um, but I will watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably going to be on your on your short list, right? Uh, it's on my next list. Oh, there you go. There you go. How did I miss a Mel Brooks movie? 
I know. I think you'll enjoy it. I really do. Yeah. It's it's so fun. It's it's you know again. It's not a Mel Brooks masterpiece, I would say, but it is. A, it's one of the funnier vampire spoof movies out there. So, um, but uh, Michelle, would you like me to give you a teaser for what we have cooking for next week from Vance Midnight and his Swinging Bodies? Yes, please. Okay, here's one minute. This is something that I'm working on. This is Vance Midnight's Tales of Midnight. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, here, you, I'll play it for you and you'll understand. Now it's time for Vance Midnight's Tales of Midnight, Volume 1. Have you ever heard the terrifying tale of the Were-Skunk? No, I can't say I have. No? Well, I have. And let me tell you, it really stinks! <laughs> you have been witness to Vance Midnight's Tales of Midnight, Volume 1. That's it. <laughs> I love it. It's great. <laughs> the, the tale of the were skunk. It stinks. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that's some of the filler we're doing. But that is not a giveaway for what the song is. That's just something I came up with on the fly. Uh, on the fly, like a bat. No, no, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I can't stop. I'm like, these voices are possessing me and forcing me to do really corny monster dad jokes and i just can't be stopped hey so, that works and we're recycling a bunch of the old music from the halloween things and everything go ahead joe joe what were you saying all right i said it can't be stopped once it yeah. starts it, it i cannot know be stopped cannot be cannot be i know tell me about it uh so, anyway we got to wrap things up we, we've run long <laughs> See? So it's like eating uh, one chip. I know, but that music from that might sound familiar because that's literally the music we play at the end of the show from Kill the Hippies called End Credits. That's all I got. We have a special guest. I'll tell if Michelle wants to tease for next week, uh, she can, but I will tease uh, Vance Midnight and his Swinging Bodies' brand new song, more nonsense like that that I just played for you, and a tentative B side. Hopefully, the B side's going to happen. I recorded my parts for it. We'll see. But uh, that's it. Miles, what do you got on the way out? Um, well, uh, you know, it's uh, Halloween. Enjoy the weather. For those of you that in temperature range, you can enjoy it. And, uh, you know, don't do not do anything that would get you sentenced to a four-month prison sentence. Looking at you, Steve Bannon. Speaking of monsters... But, uh, all right, Joe, what do you got on the way out? Well, don't, uh, don't miss Spengoolie this week. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein, a classic. Boris oh, yes. Karloff. James Whale. And, uh, starting on January 8th, AMC Plus will be also airing Anne Rice's The Mayfair Witches. Ooh, very oh, very nice. Yes. That should make the suit So happy. it might be worth the subscription. 
Uh, Michelle, yes. did, did you watch uh, the uh, uh, the Winchesters? No, not no. yet. Uh, but anyway, uh, Joe, uh, I'm sorry, Joe, I cut into your uh, parting shot. Anything you want to mention for the Tim Carmel show? Tim Carmel show. Well, let's see. Um, yeah, we're going to we're going to take advantage of the uh, the debate season and we're going to be selling some uh, some uh, props, uh, the uh, uh, debate props. Oh, good. I have a picture of some here. There you go. Some debate props that uh, are popular. Oh, nice. Like fake, <laughs> like fake police badges and stuff. Oh, well, how can it be fake? It's so big. It's I mean, a big one. It's, it's big obviously one. It's it's so big. How can police it be fake? Man. Yes. So, uh, and... It can't be fake. Yeah, no. Anyway, Michelle, uh, what do you got on the way out? Well, uh, please, please make sure you guys uh, join us next week because we're doing some our last Halloween goodness before the holiday actually reaches here. We will be having tales from the Cleveland area of hauntings. Nice. So, and we will be having a special guest star, a very uh, um, famous face around here. The wonderful Brit Wolf will be joining us, and he's got some spooky Michigan stories. Brithwolf, is he related to a werewolf? <laughs> I don't know. We have to check out that. We we'll have to shake that family tree and see what oh, falls down. I don't know. Is a Brithwolf a British werewolf? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm getting real good at the forest laughter now, too, Michelle. <laughs> hey, it works, and I love it. It just, it just. It, it, it makes me happy. <laughs> it oozes Halloween. So, yeah, so Brit Wolf will be here. And, of course, we're going to be talking about um, the uh, uh, my last ones will be movies that take place on Halloween. But, uh, Michelle, yeah, so Haunted Cleveland, that's fun. And hopefully Susan and I will get to that uh, witchcraft museum here in Cleveland soon. Um, that's going to be fun. But it'll be a great pleasure to have Brit Wolf back with us on the show. And we are, have run super, super long, so... We're out of here. We'll see you next week. Go check out Joe Bob Briggs and Sven Gooley tomorrow night. And Lenora's second episode on YouTube. Killer clowns from outer space. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs>